This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I'll tell you what, it's so wonderful to have a church full of sponges. What is sponges? Not that you're sponging off of others, but you're a sponge for the Holy Spirit's anointing for the Word of God. And you just got the attitude, I'm going to soak it up. Everything he has, my name's Jimmy, I'll take all he give me. Hey, man, you want to change. How many need an outline today? If you didn't get an outline, hold up your hand, and the ushers give you an outline. and Take care of that. And uh, been the first Sunday of the month, uh, they had bolts too. If you didn't get a bolt in, then make sure you get a bolt on the way out the door. There's bolts back there. And uh, we'll take communion in a little bit at the end of the service. We're going to take communion. And uh, even if you're not a member of this church, if you're a member of the family of God through Jesus Christ and His blood, then you're a part of our family. And we're in this thing together. You can take communion here. You don't have to go through any classes to do it. Just all you have to do is be blood-bought that you've received Jesus. If you've received Jesus, feel free to take communion with us at the end of the sermon. And you notice on your outline there, we're going to be talking today from the Word of God about how to enjoy, enjoy days of heaven on earth. How to enjoy days of heaven on earth. I want to show you some things out of our bookstore first. And Mrs. Pastor reminded me uh, that we have the ship of new Bibles in back there. So if you need a Bible, you want to get a Bible for a gift to somebody else, then I don't know what all they got back there, but I know it'll be good ones or we wouldn't have them. All Bibles are good, but it's nice to have good quality Bibles. So we've got a lot of Bibles back there. But this this is a book. I'm going to show you some things that uh, we've written. This is Mrs. Pastor's, what she wrote, called... Morality, what is the standard? And, uh, you know, my, my wife is a, I, I can toot her horn, she can't, but I can toot her horn. She's an awesome woman of God. How many would agree with that to know her? Amen. Mighty woman of God. She, uh, she's, she's written all the curriculum for the children's church, the children's ministries, and lots of other things she's written. She's written, uh, got a lot of books that, uh, she's writing. But uh, written a lot of stuff, put it in the bookstore. But this here is a really good book. This will be this will go right in line with what we're teaching today. And uh, Dave McDill just walked out, didn't he? I just saw Dave going out doing something. Where's Dave at? He went anyway, Dave, Dave uh, taught in our men's meeting yesterday. And uh, I wish we had it on tape or CD or whatever they do now, podcast or something, whatever. But anyway, uh, it was really, really, really good. And it was kind of in line with what we're talking about today, too. God's wanting to get our attention. He wants me to, he wants us to clean it up so he can bless us like he really wants to. But anyway, that book there will really be good. And then there's a couple of things she put together, things I've done over the years. This one's called God's Word, God's Word to guide me through to success in life. And what she's done for probably 25 years, what I've been preaching at different times, Indiana and here in various places, when I say some things sometimes that she calls nuggets, uh, when you're ministered by the Holy Ghost, a lot of things come out of you. And they're really, really, really good. But anyway, lots of little nuggets in here that will help you to get a hold of the Word that will help you. And then here's another one. And I didn't even see this until this morning. But it's called Nuggets of Gold for Winners, Book 2. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day, it says. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is Days of Heaven on Earth. So anyway, those things are back in the bookstore. They don't, I don't know what they cost, $5 or something. But anyway... They're good things you can take home, carry in your purse, have on your study table at home or whatever. And uh, something about these here, you know, we advertise a lot of books from different authors that maybe you've never met. 
But these are people you identify our face with. If you read those, then you hear the voice that go right along with it. But it's all things right out of the Word of God. And the main thing is it's going to help you to win in life and be victorious or whatever you're facing. And, you know, before we, before we open up our Bibles, let's hold up our Bibles. You know, we do this sometimes, and it's a good thing to do. And let's talk about what we have in our hands. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Father God's Word to me. I am who He says I am. I can do everything, absolutely everything that He says I can do. And I can have everything that He says I can have. I believe it. God said it. That settles it. It's mine today. Amen. Amen. Give him a hand. Amen. Amen. And, and I, w- I want to, first of all, I want to look at our, our mission statement. It's on your bulletin. It's thought about everything we do. Is it up there? Uh, Pastor Dave, you can't go on vacation then. That just cancels your vacation. Uh, payroll, dock his pay. All right. Our, our mission statement's on your bulletin. And, and, the, and the mission of the church is equipping God's people, equipping God's families for victorious Christian living. For victorious Christian living. The Bible teaches victory for the people of God. The Bible teaches winning for the people of God. And, and, God, and God's raised up certain men and women to be leaders of the body of Christ. And spiritual leaders should be able to say what the Apostle Paul said. Apostle Paul said, Follow me as I follow Christ. And that word follow in the Greek means imitate. And a different modern translation says be imitators of us as we imitate Christ. And so you need to have Christian leaders in your life. You can see the fruits of Jesus in their life. You should have Christian leaders that live right. You should have Christian leaders that raise their families right. Christian leaders that handle the finances right. Christian leaders that talk right. Amen? And don't do wrong things. And that's not saying that Christian leaders are perfect. But the Bible raises up people that are called by God to be people who stand in front of you and tell you how to live. And not be hypocrites, but be people that you can check us out and watch us. And to me, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest thing I know how I can judge your fruit, because the Bible tells us judge fruit, I can look at your kids. I can see how you treat your spouse. Amen. And you know, it's just amazing to me the times that we're alone with kids. Sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, our, our, our family, uh, we've got, you know, young, we got kids at the church that are leaders of this church, but they have kids. Sometimes we're around them and some of your kids play with our kids. And you know, when you hear what comes out of the mouths of the kids, you know what's going on at home. <laughs> Amen. And so, and so most of it's good that I hear from the kids of this church, so just, whew. but the thing is what I'm telling you, that's, that, that's our mission. That's our purpose. That's our calling. That's our gifting. That's what we want to do. And when I stand in front of Jesus as a spiritual leader, be judged what I did on earth, I know he's going to judge me for what I do to help your families win. What did I do to help your kids turn out right? What did I do so that when your kids turn 18, they don't say, I'm out of here. They keep on doing what they've been doing all these years. 
of staying with Jesus, staying with you, being faithful to you. And you don't have to they are. You don't have to track them and monitor them and bird dog them, try to find out what they're doing because you're going to know what they're doing because they've been raised, right? Amen. And then also, I, I want to I want to look at our uh, our theme verse for the year. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 in the Living Bible. And I just want to read it. Is it on the screen there? Yeah, good. There it is. Okay. And this is our verse. Every, every year, at towards the end of the year, we seek the Lord about what to be able to keep in front of your eyes for the following year to help keep us on course what we're doing. But uh, our theme verse is, let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do. That means come to church faithfully, consistently, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. How many here believe that Jesus is going to come again? Amen. Well, we're supposed to encourage each other, warn each other, I would hate to be at the wrong place with the wrong person doing the wrong thing and then Jesus show up and say, okay, I've taken the church out of here that's living for me because that's what he's going to do. You got to be living for him. You got to be living right to do that. So we as believers need to be encouraging each other. You know, a lot of people on vacation right now, so we have empty seats because they're on vacation and vacation is a great thing. But when you start noticing that people that are consistently here, all of a sudden you haven't seen them for three weeks, four weeks, two months. It's not a sin to call them and say, hey, I've missed you. I love you. Is everything okay? Sometimes Christians go through things you don't know about. They might have lost a loved one and they're in depression. They might have been hit with sickness and they're really down and out and they're just wishing somebody would call them because they're too bashful to call somebody else and say, help me. And so it's not wrong to call Christians and encourage them it's wrong to point your finger at them, condemn them, tell them, you rat, where you been? Amen. And so the Bible tells us we're supposed to encourage each other, warn each other. Come on, man, let's get this together. Get back under the anointing. Get under the word. Come on back in. Let's love each other. Amen. And so that's what we want to do is to help people. And so that's what this message is about today, how to enjoy the days of heaven on earth. And I want to start off with Deuteronomy chapter 11. Hey, bad. We're going to look at verse one, verse two. And, and I, I want to pray. I know there's been a lot of prayer. I've prayed over this already. We've had prayer this morning. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for me as we get into the word of God now, because God, God wants results. He wants to change lives. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads. Father, we want to thank you that we know the word of God is anointed. We know the Word of God was inspired by you through the Holy Spirit to the men that wrote the Bible. You inspired them what to write. And we know your Word's alive. It's full of power. And Lord, we know that we have your Spirit in us. So the same Spirit in us is the same Spirit that inspired these words. And Lord, I pray for myself as I deliver the Word of God uh, that I'll deliver accurately. That my words will come off with anointing and power and that I'll be able to say things in a way that makes it easy to understand. And Lord, I pray for every person in here, the ones that hear this on the podcast, that as they hear, they'll be changed. They'll see what to do, and they'll have, they'll have the ability through the Holy Spirit's grace to make adjustments and changes so they can enjoy the best you have for them and their families on earth. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. 
And so I, I, I call these first two verses uh, God's instructions to parents. And as we go through these things here in the book of Deuteronomy, then we're going to see this. And, uh, you know, uh, I've said this several times, but some people don't know it. I went through a lot of health things last year, and praise God, I come out healed. And so I'm so grateful to be alive that I'm not in heaven right now. I want to go to heaven, but not right now. I want to live a long time, see my grandchildren grow up, see my great-grandchildren. And because, you know, I, I heard Pastor John Olstein say way back in 1981, I was at a pastor's conference. How many were alive in 1981? A few of you. Well, anyway, in 1981, I was at a pastor's conference. So that tells you I've been doing this a few years, what I'm saying. You know, I... I I didn't have all these white hairs of wisdom back then. I was a young guy getting started. I heard John, John Osteen, that's Joel Osteen's dad, because Joel was just, I, when I was down there at John Osteen's church, Joel Osteen was about this tall, and just, they had him run a TV camera. He had to stand on a wooden crate so he could see the camera. So that's the first Joel was doing anything either. But anyway, I heard Pastor Osteen make a statement at that conference, and I was like, uh, I was probably 30 or 31 years old. I, I, I heard Pastor Osteen make this statement said, it's not right for a man to die young. He said, 50 is too young to die. He said, at 50, you don't even know how to live yet. And some of you guys think, well, man, I, I, I resent that. Well, I was 50 once, too, thought I'd do it all. Yeah. Especially you younger guys, you really don't know yet. But I know you know it all, too, because I did, too. So I got knocked around a few times. Then I finally woke up and learned I don't know it all. <laughs> but anyway, I said that to say this. I've learned some things in the last 68 years. 40 years of doing what we're doing here, I've learned some things about raising kids. I've learned some things about being a husband that pleases Jesus and has a wife that loves you. I've learned some things. And so I want to look at some things in the Word of God that I've learned by experience and from the Lord and a lot of things not to do so I know the things to do. You know, sometimes you got to learn what not to do so you know what to do. Amen. That's absolutely true. And so I want to look at some things today that if you will listen, you can miss a lot of knocks of life that you don't have to go through. Amen. And so as I look at this right here, it says, I put, a, I put this subtitle on here, God's Instructions to Parents. It's De- Deuteronomy chapter 11. I, I said that first thing to say this. After the start of this year, I just, it wasn't something I consciously did. I started reading Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 at the start of the year, and I've been slowly going through the Bible like I've never read it before. I've been, it took a long time going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I've been Deuteronomy right now. I'm just going through it real slow. I've got fresh yellow marker out. I've got fresh blue pen out, red pen out, because I put little codes in my Bible by verses I see. And... This week, when I was going through Deuteronomy, just seeing some things, this really jumped off at me. I thought, man, I need to teach this to the church because it's such good instructions. How many know the Bible is for today? Amen, that God doesn't change. And so anyway, when I read this, I thought, wow, parents need to hear this. He says, therefore, verse 1, Deuteronomy 11, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge at his statutes, at his judgments. In other words, the instructions of the word of God, how to live. He said, you should keep them. You should do them. And his commandments always. And then look at this right here. This really, really, really jumped off at me. And know you this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement or the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty arm, and his stretch, 
his, 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 his mighty hand and his stretched out arm. He said, I speak not to your children that haven't known. Little kids don't know. You do. We're the ones. And you know, this might be, I don't know what all these different generations are now. They got millennials and I don't know what all they call these different people. Back when I was growing up, you was either young, middle-aged or old. Now they got millennials and what, I don't know what, what they call all. New age or something. Chinese generation. What'd you say? I don't know what she said. Anyway, anyway, they got all these different things that people have been taught wrong, taught different and all kinds of things like that. But the fact of the matter is your children are not to raise you. Your children don't tell you what they're going to watch. Your children don't tell you who their friends are going to be. Children are to tell you what they're going to do with their casual time. Amen. See, things have got turned around over the years. God doesn't change. God said right here, I'm not talking to the kids. I'm talking to you parents. I'm telling you, you're the one responsible for them. Wasn't the children's church promotion awesome today? Amen. Well, let's, let's, let's give a hand to these leaders that did that. They worked to work to get this done. And you know, when they was doing that, a little history from me, uh, I just think about things. I don't mind ratting me out because my past is under the blood of Jesus. So it's not who I am now. That's not who I've been for the last 40 years. They was up there reciting the books of the Bible. I've read them all. I've studied them all. I've preached from them all. But I've never yet to this day learned to memorize all those books what they are. But I know what they are when I need them. I know how to get to them. But I was thinking, they're memorizing the books of the Bible. And I sit there in the front row thinking, and maybe this will help somebody here. All I was thinking was, Wiedemann's, Bud, Falls City, Miller's. Because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a beer home. And my dad and my mom and all their brothers and sisters was a beer home. And all I was thinking when I was a kid was, Kessler's, uh, Seagram 7, Canadian. And all these different things was I saw every day. That's all I saw was the booze. So I could have told you as a kid. I couldn't have told you the Bible. But I could have told you the brands of beer. My parents liked us so much, they bought a house across from the tavern. My dad didn't like getting arrested for drunk and driving, so all he had to do was call across to have the man bring it across to the house. I could have told you about poker hands. I could have told you about euchre. I could have told you how when the friends come over that was loaded, he'd bring the kids out because taught us how to handle those games and make money. That's the stuff I could have taught you. I wasn't raised like this. But the good news is, for the last 40 years, I've walked in it and I raised my kids like this. And so what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is I saw the wrong way to do it and what it produced. I was taught how to break bones and noses and do bad stuff. But I was taught that's what that's what was before my stat, the standard before me. But when I got born again, I got born again to win. I chose after I saw where I came from, what I didn't want my kids to have. And so as I was reading Deuteronomy this week and I saw what I saw here, I knew this church has got to hear this. They've got to see this because there might be somebody in my church that's not a saint or an angel. There might be real people here that need to know how to do this. Is there any real people here that want to see a better way? Want to see how to do things different? Amen. Well, that's what we're here for. But, uh, the book of James says to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And so it doesn't make any difference 
how good the promises are of the Bible or the instructions are if all you do is get excited at a church service or hear something, but you go back and do the same old, same old, guess what? What's the definition of a fool? Somebody that keeps doing the same thing over and over, expect to get different results. And so my children that I raised, I raised up preachers now. I raised up successful businessmen in my family. I raised up children in my family that's raising up their children, and they're getting better every generation because I determined when I got born again, uh, back when I was born into this earth, the president was called Harry S. Truman. Anybody ever hear Mr. Truman? Well, you know, he had a thing on his desk says the buck stops here. And so he was a president that took responsibility for the direction of the country under his leadership. And so he said that whatever happens, I'm not going to bring, he said, I'm not going to blame Congress. I'm not going to blame the Senate. I'm not going to blame the courts. I'm the president. And I'll take responsibility. If it's not going right, then I'm the one that says, okay, I'm guilty. I'll make some changes. We'll do something different. And so I made the determination when I got bored again. I thought, man, I'm going to be like President Truman. The buck stops here. If my family's not going the right direction, I'm not going to blame the police. I'm not going to blame the school. Hey, man, I've seen in my generation, and especially now, parents, oh, it's that old bad policeman. What I used to hear back when, I just, I don't want to talk too much more, it's on the internet, but I, what I always heard, it was that judge, he's got it out for him. Was that policeman, he's just watching for him. Well, it's that bad teacher, it's that principal, we're going to change, we're going somewhere else, get away from that principal. How come that everywhere these families go, they got another bad principal, another bad teacher, another bad policeman, another bad somebody like that? There has to come a point in time, you look in the mirror, and this is a Katieism. Katie likes to say this one here, I don't know where she got it from, I think I know what it means. She said, what's it say, I, the, the, I did the bad? What would you? Oh, it said, my bad. I don't know if that's stuff that's, that's on TV or in or I don't know what it is, but sometimes I talk to Katie. Katie's something going on in the church doing for problem. You know, she kind of runs a lot of the church business. Katie says, that's my bad. There ought to come a point in time that a parent looks in the mirror with the kids having a problem, and they say, whoa, man, I just diagnosed the problem. It's me. And then decide to make some adjustments where they change it around. And I, I got to throw it a Daveism now. Dave, I started to say a while ago about you that you did an awesome job yesterday at the men's meeting. It was great. It was excellent. And I want I want to throw this thing he said yesterday because I wrote it in my notes and I put yellow through it. I looked at it again this morning. I got my Bible now. You're getting credit for it this time, but after this, it's mine. <laughs> well, that's kind of a preacher thing, you know. You give somebody credit once you quote them the first time, then after that, you can claim it. But anyway, this was really good. How many here have car insurance? Hey, Matt, if you don't, we're not on camera TV, so don't worry about it. Nobody's going to, they're not going to bird dog you to get out of the street and take you out. Okay, he made a statement. Said your, He said on your car insurance, says it says that the benefits of that policy that affect, the policies that affect as long as you make the payments. As long as you pay your policy, your policy will do everything it said it would do for you as long as you honor the policy. He said the word of God's the same thing said those promises belong to us as long as we live up to the promises what we're supposed to do. And then he made this statement. 
I better, I better look at this to make sure I said how Dave made it. Uh, Dave, there, there's my notes there. I yell on your notes. He made this statement then, and he said it this. If you live like a pig, the promises are null and void for you. If you live like a pig. And so if you're going to still live dirty like the world, act like the world, and be a part of that system, then guess what? These promises won't work for you. And so that's what we want to do today is see how to enjoy days of heaven on earth. And so anyway, let's go down to verse uh, 18. And it says this, we're going to look at verse 18 through 20. Therefore shall you lay up these words, these my words, this is God talking, in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontless between your eyes. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. And so God's word is God's standard for receiving his promises. God's word is God's standard for receiving his promises. As I think about this, you read verses like this. The Bible's loaded with verses like this. And so God is very serious about us to quit thinking like we used to. When little kids say Bible, Bible things like they did, you shouldn't be thinking, well, I don't know what kind of modern beer and drugs and stuff they got now. But you shouldn't be thinking Wiedemann's, Miller High Life, uh, Budweiser, Strohs, all the different kinds of beers. You don't think that in my mind, but then, you know, there's still enough back there from the past. I still could remember those beer names. Why is that? I was saturated in that atmosphere as a child, so I remembered those beer names. I don't think about them, but they were there very real. And why do you think that the generations been raised up in our country and all the different kinds of dopes and cuss words and pornography and all the things they do. They're seeing them somewhere. Well, you see what God said? God said you should be a person that's able to, and I'm not talking about a religious person that hurts your kids and browbeats them. You enjoy life, but there ought to be a spiritual atmosphere in your house. And I was thinking about this here. My pastor 40 years ago taught me to make up three-by-five cards and put verses on them to learn the Bible. And so I would carry three-by-five cards in my pocket, little notepads, and I would put little notes on my mirror where I shaved, and I learned Bible verses. I would have notes on my refrigerator, I'd learn Bible verses. I'd have notes on my mirror in my bedroom, on my dresser, I'd learn Bible verses. I learned them that way, and my children, I didn't force-feed the Bible to my kids. I refused to be that kind of parent that'd be so religious and hate God. But my kids in that atmosphere saw how I lived. And we did have Bible stories at night time and things like that. And so we did that in a way that was easy. My children learned how to pray, learned how to tithe, learned how to talk right and do things because we did what this verse says to do, but we didn't do it like I've seen religious people do where they make life miserable on their kids. All right, no Bible for you tonight. <laughs> you know, just be, that you ever see the people like that that just so me they think that's the answer for everything is to force their kids to be religious. But we did it in the right atmosphere. So anyway, here's what I was thinking about as I read this. Because God says, this is the only verses where he says, he says this probably thousands of times about being serious about his word. 
And so he said, would you lie down when you get up? You should be conscious of the word of God. He said, when you're walking, when you're driving, you should be conscious of the word of God. He said, you need to be thinking about these things. Why is that? Our society, 24-7, is the modern technology, internet, cell phones, iPhones. Man, you see little two or three-year-old kids now go through stores and shopping cart playing video games and carts. Well, here's what I was thinking. If I had to go the long way around and write three by five cars, I'll have to do that. Why don't you start having screensavers with Bible verses on them? Why don't you have some video games or something where it's fun, but something about God to start teaching them the word of God? Would that be doing what he's saying here in modern times? Doing something to keep the word of God before him? Would that be awesome for little kids to learn things like they sang up here today? Little kids go through the house singing, I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, I love everybody, because the Bible tells me so. I lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name and they do recover. I submit myself to God. I resist the devil. He flees from me. God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but power to love and a sound mind. And have little things on the phones, the iPads, the iPods, and all the pods and pads and all the things like that, and the cell phones and the games and stuff like that. And, you know, when things are made fun for children, and not religious but fun, they start getting it, and they're going to be walking through the house singing about Jesus songs in a fun way. To be, wouldn't it be fun to have a little bit, I don't know, maybe they got them, I don't know, I'm really not into that stuff much. I got an iPhone, had it for years, so I'm not totally ignorant, I know, I do use them. I got it, and you guys gave me an iPad for Father's Day a few years ago, I still got it, and it still works. But any, when I work it, but anyway, I've got, I've got that stuff there. Wouldn't it be fun for children to have a, have, have a video game of Jesus defeating the devil? Popping that stuff around and jumping around and doing all that kind of stuff. And wouldn't it be fun to have a video game of a believer defeating the devil? Walk around doing that stuff. I've seen, I've seen the devil, you know, like the, like the, what was it? The huff and puff blow your house down to have a video game where the, where the, uh, devil come trying to attack a family, attack children. And they said, Oh, we'll huff and puff in the name of Jesus, devil. You're out of here. Start doing things like that. Well, see, that's what he's saying right here. He said, I'm not speaking to your children. I'm talking to you. He said, you start showing your children what I say about it. When do you show them? He said, when you get up and when you lay down. You know what that sounds to me like? That sounds to me like a, like a, like, like a breakfast prayer. Had a nighttime Bible story and a prayer. Amen. And you know what? Children get conditioned to what you condition them to. And so from the time they're little, I mean, I, I get I get the reports out of all of our classes at the church of what we do. And I honestly don't know how they're doing what they do. But I see some of these lessons at Norman, they're doing in the nursery like that. I think, man, Norman, how do you get the kids to get that stuff? A little bit of kids in the nursery are learning Bible verses. And no one thinks she's teaching in the nursery. The teachers are teaching in the nursery. I thought, wow, this is awesome. But you know what would be the great follow-up to that? If they didn't just get it in the Sunday school classes, but they got it at home too. i got to move on, man. i got a lot of ground to cover. But anyway, I'm just saying how serious God was there. But then in verse 21, in verse 21, he tells you why to live like this. That your days may be multiplied and the days of your children be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon earth. 
as the days of heaven upon earth. How many know that Jesus is the living Word of God? And that God was in the beginning, and God was the Word, and God made everything? And so think about this. What's heaven going to be like? Heaven's going to be everything revolving around the living Word of God. And so in heaven, when you study, matter of fact, uh, starting tomorrow will be the, the on our Bible study, we do it online, we do the online Bible study. You got the verses handed out to you this morning like that. Starting tomorrow will be Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And the book of Revelation goes into more detail in any book of the Bible about what's in heaven, what heaven's like. So if you want to know what heaven's going to be like, follow the Bible study this month, the church Bible study. You go see the book of Revelation, what heaven's like. In heaven, in heaven, there's no drug addiction. There's no sexual perversion. There's no sickness. There's no cheating everybody. Etc., etc. How many here know the Lord's Prayer? Jesus said, Thy will be done where? On earth as where? As it is in heaven. That's out of the mouth of two or three witnesses right there. God wants us on earth to enjoy the blessings of heaven. Let me ask you a question, not a setup, just a question. Have you ever thought about why the will of God is not done on earth like it is in heaven? Jesus said, we're supposed to pray the will of God be done on earth. Well, I can't control all the earth, all of Barstow or any place else. You know what? I can't control my little circle of influence, my family. Do you remember where God put Adam at? In where? The Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, it was like heaven because there wasn't sin yet. Satan wasn't in there. The will of God was absolutely done in the Garden of Eden until Adam and Eve opened themselves up to deception and sin. Then Eden changed. And then God had to block it off with those fiery cherubims with the fire out there, the swords. He had to block it off because that was the will of God for earth was right there in the Garden of Eden. And so I've always liked to call my house, my home, my Garden of Eden. And just like when Satan came and started tempting Eve, and then Adam and Eve yielded and let sin in, when the tempter tries to come to my house, I do everything I can to say, no devil, this is my Garden of Eden. The will of God is going to be done in my family as it is in heaven. We will give you no place here. We try to really guard what we watch on TV. If I do not want perversion in my life, I don't want it on my TV because I don't want the Spirit coming in and getting on me. Somebody said that would really be hard to live like that in modern times. Well, I'll tell you what we do. we got two things we got. We watch a little bit of news, and everything on our TV that we record is 1950s cowboy shows. That's surprising some of the stuff that slips into those old cowboy shows every once in a while. But basically, we watch the old cowboy shows, and things like that there. Why is that? You can't even watch a modern commercial without seeing pornography or drinking or thinking everything revolves around sitting on some beach in a bikini with some kind of stupid bottle of something in your hand. Man, talk about a lot of unfun to me. i got to get back to where I'm going. But what I'm saying is this. He says we're supposed to have days like heaven's going to be while we live on earth. He said it here. Jesus said we're supposed to pray that. And so that's up to us if we're going to have any of that in our lives. In heaven, there's no sickness, no disease, and all that kind of stuff. And so that's what I want in my family. 
I want my family, I want my wife to live to a ripe old age healthy. I want to live to a ripe old age healthy. I want all my kids to grow up and live to be old men and old women. I want my grandkids to grow up to be old, my great-grandkids to grow up. I don't want my family poor and broke and depressed and addicted. I want days of heaven on earth. How about you? Amen. Somebody give a shout of praise or something. And so verse 21 is God's will for your family, but but they're conditional. So there's three conditional promises he told you right here. Number one, he said that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children. That's called long life. God wants you and your children to have long life. But the conditions were be serious about the word of God. Be, be a fully committed believer is what I see here. Those first few verses, 18 through 20, I call that fully committed. You know what I call that? That's not a casual church attender. That is somebody that makes the commitment that I'm going to come to church every time I possibly can. And, you know, I know that we're in California here for all the different military jobs, the kind of jobs sometimes people have to be where they have to be because they have to be there. That's the way it is. Take care of their family because the Bible says that's the man's job. Take care of the family. And I know the women and men, they all work like that. But the thing is, a church like ours, we got multiple services. we got Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special meetings, Friday nights, uh, women's meetings once a month, Saturday mornings, men's meetings once a month, lots of special things we do. And so really, if you're on an oddball shift at our time of the day, odd days of the week, there's some time you at least get to church once a week. And you know, what am I talking about? These promises are conditional. God told you what to do. He said, be serious about my ways. Be serious about my words. And then he says that the days of heaven upon earth will be for you. And he said that your days be multiplied long life. He said in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, And so that's talking about the promises of the kingdom of God. We're in the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God today. The kingdom of God is a spiritual place. The kingdom of heaven is a physical place. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, he said, the kingdom of God's within you. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Doesn't every kingdom have a king or wouldn't be a kingdom? That's why it's called kingdom, because there's a king over that area. And so when King Jesus is allowed to sit on the throne of your heart, the kingdom of God's in us, the more that Jesus is allowed to rule our lives as the king of the kingdom, then the more the will of God is going to be done in the kingdom. And so this is the land he giveth us, the kingdom of God, and then the promises of the kingdom of God are in the New Testament. He tells us what belongs to us. He said, of the land I giveth thee. Everything that he says to us in the New Testament, and many things carry over the Old Testament, that's our spiritual land. But we take the spiritual land, long life is ours. Children that are submissive and walk in the ways of the Lord, that belongs to us in our kingdom. Good jobs that we enjoy working belong to us. Good paychecks, good benefits That's part of the promises in this land he gave us. Alzheimer's is not in this kingdom. Dementia is not in this kingdom. As I get older, my wife gets over, I refuse to participate in that curse. I've been redeemed of that. That's not in my kingdom. This is the land he giveth me is power and love and a sound mind. 
That's 2 Timothy 1.7. He said, sound mind. Sound mind is it? Well, you know, the first thing that goes, <laughs> you're getting older. Every time somebody tries to say that stupid stuff to me, I say, hey, you're right, I'm getting older, but it's not going to be the first thing to go because it's not going to go. Amen. I, 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 I see 12 year olds forget stuff sometimes. I talk to my grandkids 10 years old. Grandpa, I can't remember that. Can you tell me what that is? I think, glory to God, that makes me feel good. Man, he's 10 years old and he forgot something. Is this helping anybody? Amen. He said, if we're serious about the word, this belongs to us. It's called promises. Somebody say promises. It belongs to us. And the promise of the Bible, they belong to you. And then he says, as the days of heaven upon the earth, as though God's will for us is to enjoy the blessings of heaven in this life. To enjoy the blessings of heaven in this life. And so the reason Jesus prayed that prayer, I'll answer that question now, is this. In heaven, there's no blessing blockers. You know what blessing blockers are? Sin. Sin's a blessing blocker. That's why the will of God's done in heaven. There's no resistance. In heaven, there's no devil to try to stop the word from working. Down here on earth, we're the ones that the New Testament tells us, crucify your flesh and resist the devil. So we're the ones on earth. If the will of God's going to be done in our families on earth, days of heaven on earth, we have to crucify our flesh. That means we have to say, men, I'm going to talk to you. When that short-skirted thing comes walking past, you can't go out in bar store in the summertime with the heat to a restaurant, a Walmart, any place else without sitting your table there. Have to go, whoa. By the time they bend over in front of you or they bend over in front of you and everything tries to pop out. No, I'm being serious. The Bible says to submit to God, resist those temptations of the devil. And you know what? It's just your eyes got to take a double take. You've got to train yourself. That's called crucified your flesh. Amen. You got to tell yourself no, 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 no. And then when that thought says, don't she look good? Then you got to open your mouth and say, no, she don't look good. My wife does. I trained myself years ago. I trained myself years ago. When that thing tries to come my way, they walk past, especially the weather, perfume or something like that. You get a whiff, you get a look. you got to stop and say, no, 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 no. God gave me something better than that. I'm going home with her today. I'm sleeping with her. That's amen. I'm telling you right now, if you want days of heaven on earth, and you want the one inside of you, Jesus, to lord it over your life, you're the one that's got to stop and say, no, 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 the will of God be done in my, in my family as it is in heaven. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, pastor, how do you know all those things? Well, uh, the real me is a spirit lives inside of here. And... For my spirit to express itself, I have to look out these windows right here called eyeballs. That's how the spirit sees into this world. And for me to be able to get through this world, I live in an earth suit. And this earth suit's not redeemed yet. So this earth suit is tempted like yours is. So that's why I said you can follow me as I follow Christ. I have to train myself and train myself and train myself and train myself. And if I'm sitting someplace like that, like you do, and that thing gets beside me, and my eyes take a second look, then catch myself, like, yeah, I have to stop, 
I said, no, 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 no. I'm telling you guys right now, I want to help you. You and me, we're all tempted the same way. We've all got the same name of Jesus. We've all got the same will that chooses what we're going to look at. Amen? I want to say it again, be better preached than you are shouting. And then, you know, you women, I guess we're going to get praise high. I want to get back to where I'm up here, but people need to hear this. Women, don't put on a peep show for anybody but your husband. Amen. And I know I've heard for years and years that you, you can't buy anything that looks right. You can't buy anything decent for Christian women. My wife and my daughter-in-law, my daughter does. If they buy that stuff, has got too much stuff hanging out. They put a sweater or something on. they got the little knit things they'll put in there to cover up some stuff. Amen. Don't buy those stuff that comes way up here, man. Put something down there. What be, uh, if I don't finish this today, talk to Katie. She'll fill in your blanks for you. When I was a young Christian man, like a lot of you young Christian men in here, I went to a church had 500 members. And I wasn't a preacher. I was a Christian. And I loved my wife with all of my heart. Still love her with all of my heart. My heart, I think she's the most beautiful thing that God ever made. I, from the day I met her till the day till day, same way. And when I went into church, one of the biggest challenges I had with 500 member church back in Indianapolis was these women on Sunday morning, the way they dressed, had prayed around while I was trying to hear the sermon or do me in the worship. I'd be in the church there, and there'd be some of them like the dress out here. They were dressed so like they shouldn't have been dressed in church. And I would be trying to worship God, and I'd see something popping around in front of me. I'd have to close my eyes and go like that to worship God. And this is the truth. I don't want my church to ever be that way. You know, if people come in, dress how they want to. I don't tell people how to dress, what to do. And I know especially I've noticed in churches that, that do to try to live for God. I've noticed the women that come in that dress really like they should not have dressed. What I've noticed... I hardly ever talk about this. It's not about every Sunday morning service here the first time. I don't talk about this very much at all, but God's doing this right now. And so what I've noticed over the years, if you don't major on those natural things like that, I've always noticed the women, I'd see the, the uh, whatever you call this, I'd see it start coming up to where they wear it higher up, and I'd see the hymn line start going down. I'd see They just automatically start changing when they're around the Spirit of God very much. But I'm just saying for the women... For these young men in the church that are having trouble with it, you're not doing them any favors if you're putting on a go-go girl show, if they still call it that, but I was a young guy, they called them go-go bars. But anyway, if you're putting on a go-go dance in front of me in the church like that, you're not helping the boys out. You're not helping the men out. And so uh, I, I heard a guy one time, matter of fact, he was a leader in my church and things finally got straightened up, said to me one day, I wish these guys quit looking at my wife like a piece of hung meat. Had I said, well, tell her to quit dressing like hung meat, they'll quit looking at her. And started changing how she dressed. You know, when you're a young guy and that girl's wearing a pair of pants so tight, leaves nothing to your imagination what's inside those pants. If you're not a really, really, really serious Christian man, you're going to be looking at every little crevice and everything you see there. And that's just the way it's going to be. As you get stronger in the Lord... It's more easier to be disciplined to make yourself not look. But in other words, just, man, help the guys out, ladies. Amen. Did the ladies say amen?
Amen. They like, okay, we want to help us. Anyway, we want the blessings of heaven on earth. Those blessings are needs met abundantly, divine health, freedom from Satan and sin. Your family's living in peace and harmony. And so, uh, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Wow, we're moving along, aren't we, man? We're just, oh, these bunny trails, man. Sometimes they really help us. But anyway, I'm going over here because I know that some people would think, well, pastor, so far all you're looking at is Old Testament, and how does that apply to us? Well, how many know that Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. And so basically religious people, I'm not talking about serious Christian people, I'm about religious people. Religious people always want to talk about how good Old Testament Jews had it. Right? So everybody, you've heard people, they really want to talk about how good it was back then. It wasn't like now. And then they like to talk about how good heaven's going to be. Oh, we just can't wait to get to the other side. Oh, we can't wait to get to heaven. No sickness. Oh, no problems. Oh, things will be so great in heaven. But they void out the middle part. Jesus Christ saved yesterday. That's past. Today, that's where we live at. And forever, that's going to be heaven. And so we, if we're going to be New Testament Christians, we've got to realize if he's the same yesterday, then what he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John belongs to us now. What he did in the Old Testament those blessings belong to us now. After they're going to belong to us in heaven, and belong to us in the past, and thy will be done on earth today as it is in heaven, and it's the same that they belong to us now. Amen. And so Deuteronomy chapter 11 told us those things, but Hebrews 8, 6 says this. And the book of Hebrews, we'll be doing it in our Bible study uh, not too far down the road, says this, but now hath he, Jesus, obtained a more excellent ministry. The book of Hebrews tells about Jesus today. He has a present-day ministry. By how much also he is a mediator of a better covenant than the old covenant. Better covenant, which was established upon better promises. And so, if the days of heaven on earth were available to the Old Testament saints, how much more now have we got better? Amen. How much better are the promises? And so if we have a new and better covenant, then we should at least, it should at least be as good and better promises as God's servants in the Old Testament. Why did I say that? You remember the song that were the verse Pastor Dave used a while ago from Deuteronomy, or from Psalms 35, 27, that let the shout of be glad to pay my righteous call, let them say continually that God has pleasure, the prosperity of what? His servants, Old Testament were servants, they weren't sons and daughters. We're born again children of God. We're born again, he's not God to us now, he is God. But Jesus said, pray to thy Father in heaven. He said, Heavenly Father. And so if those promises there belong to servants, how much more so sons and daughters? Amen. We do serve God, but we're sons and daughters to God, and we serve God because we love God. But we're sons and daughters. You know, I've got people sometimes at my farm that I've got that I that, that I hire people to do jobs for me. Well, they're working for me then, and they're my servants working for me because I pay them to work for me. And so 
my sons and daughters that come to my house don't have to work for me. They do things because they love me and they love their mom and they do things for us, but they don't have to earn anything from us. That's our sons, that's our daughters. They're in a little different category than the ones that I pay to work. And so we, as New Testament believers, have a father in heaven that his son told us, thy will be done for my children as it is in heaven. Amen. Uh, got just a little more time. So let, 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 so let me just wrap this up. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll just make a quick pass through here to help enlighten you, and then we'll have communion. But I pray this is helping you because you don't have to barely get by. You don't have to be down and out and depressed. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be whining about your children all the time. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? God's got better. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I've going to skip down a few verses. He talks about the Old Testament saints, about what they did, what they went through with Moses. But then verse 5, I want you to get down to verse 5, and I want you to notice this. Talk about the Old Testament saints that, Rebelled against God, etc. said, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. How many know that although God had the promised land, Canaan land, for the Old Testament saints, they walked around the wilderness for 40 years under judgment. God doesn't want you walking around 40 years under judgment. He wants you to come into your Canaan land. He wants you to come into the promises of the New Testament. He wants, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed, working for you. He wants to train up a child the way she go, they'll not depart from it, working for you. He, husbands, he wants you to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Wives, he wants you to be able to submit to that loving husband as unto the Lord. That's what God wants you in your family. And so it says, anyway, verse 6, he says this, Now these things of the Old Testament were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so God's way to enjoy days of heaven on earth is to do these next few verses. Just think about them. Verse 7 says this, Neither to be you idolaters, as were some of them, as is written. Now look at this. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The best thing I can say about the verse is this. Don't be a party animal at the expense of your Christian faith. He said these things were written for our example. said the Old Testament... That's all they wanted to do was party. Eat, drink, fun, 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 fun. God wants us to have fun, wants us to enjoy vacations. Man, we love ball games. Uh, you guys talk about the beach. We love the beach. We love all that kind of stuff. He says the Old Testament said that become their idols and not God. Said that become, they, they, in other words, it said they, they, they lived to play. They lived to party. They live just to forget church, forget everything else, etc., etc. God said that's for our examples that we don't do those things. And so like Dave, like Dave McNeil said, said if you're going to live like a pig, then you boarded out the promises. Amen. Verse 8. Verse 8. Uh, Neither let us commit fornication. And fornication simply means sexual immorality. And that's not defined... By the Supreme Court, by the way. It's not defined by California legislature. I'm talking about God's standard. It's not defined by the United States Senate. 
or anybody else, God tells you his standard for what safe sex is. That's a husband and a wife. We're not going any farther. But let, it said, don't commit fornication. Some of them committed fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. So stay away from sexual immorality if you want days of heaven on earth. If you want days of heaven on earth. If you want days of heaven on earth. I know what I want. I want my family blessed and have everything God says belong to us. Amen. Verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ. As some of them also tempted or destroyed of serpents. And so don't be a doubter. Believe the promise of God if you want days of heaven on earth. Believe the promises of God. And that tempted Christ, when I saw that again, I've always, I studied that out the last few days, see what he's talking about that. That's when Israel was delivered by God out of Egypt, and Moses told them what God was going to do for them, and they got mad and said, where's God? We're better off in Egypt. We're better off back there. At least, at least our slave masters took better care of us than Moses is. And that's what he was talking about there, where they said, could God get water out of a rock? Duh. Moses hit the rock and they got all the water to feed the whole nation. And so that's this. When you hear the word of God, if it's too, if it's too hard for you to believe, well that's what's called the gospel means good news. It's too good to believe with a natural mind. When you see the word of God, long life, by stripes you're healed, faithful children, faithful husband, faithful wife, sound mind, don't open your mouth and say, well you know, there's always been a curse on the Samples family. You know, they're all alcoholics. They're thugs. Well, you know how the Samples kids always end up? You know, you're still talking that way. You know what you're doing? You're tempting Christ. You're telling him you're not big enough to deliver the Samples family. You're telling him you're not big enough to provide my family. You're telling him you're not big enough to heal this disease. Don't tempt Christ. When you're Christians sitting out of the Word of God that have a Holy Bible to read and all the Bible apps you got and everything you got, when you read it, if it's hard to believe, keep your mouth shut. Just say, thank you, Jesus, I receive. Amen. These are for our examples. Uh, and I just, I, I'm going to close. I would, well, let's see, verse 10, i got to do that because this, this fits too many people. Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured, have destroyed the a destroyer. Don't be a whiner. If you want days of heaven on earth, quit the whining. Quit the murmuring. Quit the griping. Quit the complaining. If you're between jobs right now, whatever you can do, do it, but don't whine about it. If you're on a job you don't like, don't whine about it, pray about it, and start asking the Lord, say, have you got someplace else for me? I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. He says, if you want days of heaven on earth, you can't be a whiner. Turn it into praise. At verse 11 through 13, get a hold of this. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples. That's talking about these people that missed out and didn't get the blessings. Happened for examples. They are written for our admonition, our instruction, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Would you agree we're at the end? We're coming to the end of this? He said, these are written for our generation that's in this end. He said, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And this right here is a very, very, very real, wonderful, awesome verse to help you no matter what you're going through. There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man. That's why I know that every man in here is tempted to have their eyes wander where they shouldn't go. 
That's why I know that women are tempted to wear things sometimes that act like they shouldn't act. Because it says it's common. We all go through it. He says, but God is faithful, who would not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape you, be able to bear it. God's the one that said, if these end times were living in all these different ways, he said, this is what Israel did, don't do it. He said, here's what I want you to do. You live like this. You have days of heaven on earth. When you're going through the most serious, horrible things of your life, you need to look at that verse, look up to heaven, and say, Lord, what's the way out of this? You said you show me the way out. And so uh, the little fill the blank I got for you right there is this. God knows I fill in the blank, I guess. But God knows the difference between sin chasing you or you chasing sin. Always know this. God knows the difference between you chasing sin or sin chasing you. Sin tries to knock at our door every day. But it's one thing for it to be trying to come after us or all of a sudden us liking it and going after it. So make sure, make sure that if you fall for it, you quickly say, Oh, Jesus, help me, forgive me, do right. Amen. Well, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.